0: This is a post Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Revolution 2021. Wow. <laughs> bonk, bonk. Um, we, we're here. We made it to 2021, everybody. That's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I'm exhausted. Anybody else exhausted? What a year. Yeah, I think just kiddos went home today to their mom's house. And we had a blast uh, spending New Year's together. I actually fell asleep before New Year's Eve. Before the ball dropped. Before the ball dropped. I think I got a text from Caleb and Pete. Right at midnight. I think think maybe, yeah. The next day I was like, oh, Happy New Year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, but we had fun. I had fun with the kiddos. We had a blast. Unfortunately, it's been cold and rainy here, so kiddos (laughs) in the apartment, climbing the walls. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I know this seems to be my only shtick anymore is just talking about taking care of the kids. I I used to be able to reflect about doing really cool things during the week, like, yeah, I went and saw this shit, I went to this cool bar and everybody thinks I'm drinking again. (laughs) Nope. That's Mm. not the case. Yeah, Pete called me yesterday, and he's like, hey, what are you doing, man? What, what have you been up to? Going to the clubs? And I'm like, yeah, been sitting here. Finished reading, finally finished reading my Todd McGowan book, which I've been really into. I'm very nice. glad to do that. So I'm going to either move on to another Todd book, or there's one Slevo Zizek book I might start reading. I've got a few books in the Reading philosophy is a lot harder than reading. Like I used to be able to read all my theology books like this especially like, like ones like Brian McLaren and stuff. And because they were incredible and easy to get through kind of like in some ways, like, uh, what's his name? Rob Bell, you know, you oh, yeah, like, mm-hmm. go through the Rob Bell books. Rob Bell also has like two words per page. So yeah. <laughs> Rob Bell believes in margins, lots <laughs> of margins on the pages,
0: negative space. And I
1: would really give my right arm to have a book deal that let me do that. Um, maybe one day, one day, one word per page. Um, it's an art concept, I'm an artist, um so yeah, so we did uh so yeah, so just reading, finished reading, hanging out with the kids, um talking to some of you guys on instagram so but some cool things are happening personally i'm I'm not going to complain, I really like it here caleb do you are you enjoying Seattle? you're about to go out and meet some new friends That's this week
0: right. yeah i i I made a lovely connection with uh, an online listener, I won't say her name just because I haven't specifically gotten permission to do so, Um, with a a very sweet woman who has been following Jay for a while and is excited that Revolution has moved to Seattle. One of the few people who specifically reached out and said, can't wait till you guys are meeting in person so I can come join you. And uh, she's also a uh, radio producer, and I have years of experience in audio engineering and production, and so hopefully I might be getting me... A job uh, and also at the very least making some new friends who are like-minded enough to keep up with revolution. So would I'm be,
1: looking forward to that. That would be the perfect job for Caleb. Yes. And then they could be like, hey, we need a new DJ, and Caleb would be like, I've got the perfect idea. <laughs> Do you want somebody who sounds tired all the time? Groggy. <laughs> <laughs> he zo- knows how to say meme. Who's Zo <laughs> who knows how to say meme? <laughs> and zo thinks sounds like Batman. <laughs> Hello everybody. <laughs> It's your boy Caleb. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Two very opposites. Yeah. Sweet and sour. That would be the our DJ names. That'd be good. Sweet and sour. <laughs> sour
0: in the mix. <laughs>
1: um, so this is how we begin every year is with Galatians. And wow, what a different year. Last year we were sitting in um, Minnesota. It was covered in snow. We were cold and uh, probably miserable then just because we were so cold. But no, no COVID, and uh, starting off the year, and I thought, man, 2020 is going to be my year. As I had like two trips planned to Belfast, That's right. and I was going to be speaking at Pyre, which is a great church, and doing all this really cool stuff, and like doing this talk about my mom, and we we're going to be in Belfast working on a couple documentaries, and then it's just like yeah, the whole world just went. So we all got stuck at home. I might be stuck at home for a little longer. Um, But, you know, do what we can. So we're in Galatians. So every year I just decided, because I do, I love Galatians. And I started to be realizing, like, am I doing Galatians, like, five times a year? So I was like, if I just start doing it at the beginning of the year, I won't continue to repeat that book over and over again. I read from this book probably more than any book. And I think Galatians, to me, is... um, the most important book for me in the New Testament. Um, I love the Gospels. Don't get me wrong; I think they're good. Um, I think they're great, um, and they're very important. And without I, you have to have the Gospels and Galatians together, definitely. Um, but I feel like Galatians really homed in my 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 uh, my understanding of, of Christianity. Um. Recently I was on Instagram and looking at everybody's everybody's uh, happy New Year feeds, which are, were, were fun. Um, but it was my friend D.E D. E., D. E. Polk, uh, who has a church in, in Georgia and was also like my brother growing up and um, it was D.E. who really got me into grace, this concept of of the unconditional and it blew my mind you know i mean i i remember talking to him and just telling him like you know i want to do this but i think god hates me i'd already started revolution and all this stuff and i was actually like just at a at a retreat that my dad was putting together and de was there and de i'd lived with before was like my brother and i just felt like i just felt like garbage and i just felt under legalism and he told me you know i think you're screwing up i think you're missing the point and what about grace and i said well that sounds interesting so I ended up quitting revolution moving in with him getting a normal job and one day I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired I joined AA I was out smoking chain smoking and I just came in and said listen man if this grace thing's true prove it to me you know and he said read Galatians and then he recommended a few other books in the Bible to read and uh, Galatians floored me and changed my life and you know it's the reason most uh, – I mean, we have some Catholics who listen, but the Protestants who are listening, Galatians has a big part of you being Protestants, because that was also the, the book that Martin Luther read that caused him to start the Reformation and realizing that people were being taken advantage of and being controlled by religion. And he felt – in his commentary on Galatians, which is a great book, great read. I really recommend it. It, it doesn't read like a commentary. Um, it reads like a book. And he talks about in it like the idea of grace or unmerited favor. I, I think he uses in the book, but he says, uh, there might even be another word that I'm, I'm not recalling right now because I haven't read that one in a while." But he says, "Cannot be, is the one message that cannot be repeated enough because it's so hard for us to accept yeah. that it's true." Yeah. And so. To me, I find that to be extremely interesting. Well, extremely interesting, And so it changed my life. And I, I, I don't necessarily agree 100% on grace, the grace concept as Luther does. Um, we have some minor differences um, that could be turned into majors, I guess. But you know, this book revolutionized the church, and that's why I, I feel like I always go back to it. Also because I feel like my work is grace. My work that I do is, is the foundation is all built on the concept of grace. And seeing such a lack of it, seeing so much fear, seeing people be, live in such guilt, you know, and such fear of, of legalism and in such fear of God and seeing God used as this like control method on how to control people. God's going to be mad at you. And it was like God with Santa Claus. You know, he knows when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, so be good for goodness sake. And that's how I felt constantly. And so this book kind of set me free. And I I mean, I remember calling my father even late in the evening and saying, dad, have you read this? You know, I mean, he's like, of course I've read it. And I'm like, well, why don't we, why didn't we talk about it more? And I remember him saying to me, well, because sometimes that concept seems too good to be true. And I feel like it's such a radical concept that people pretending to be Paul, especially in the pastoral epistles, created forgeries in Paul's name. And everybody will, different theologians and historians will tell you, like, oh, that was great and it was cool and everybody could do it, no big deal. Um, but I feel like that work is trying to undo. Honestly, I feel like it's trying to undo the pastoral epistles, try to undo the work that's done in Galatians and in Romans, and in Corinthians, Um, I I feel like that those epistles try to reshape pretty much what we know in the United States as preachers, what people's expectations are on pastors and people in the church, and who can and can't be, Mm. who's in and who's out. And I I think that those books are... I'd go as far as to say I, I feel like the pastoral epistles could be seen dangerous, yeah. as dangerous. It
0: would almost make more sense if they came before the other epistles. Right. And we're being like, hey, here's some ideas we have. And then Paul, real Paul comes through and is like, hey, yeah, that was the old way of thinking about it. But hey, remember, we're trying to do this new thing.
1: Or if Paul was like, this is my old work.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know,
1: so. Um, exactly. But yeah, so it, it's it's very us and them. And as we go through Galatians, you'll see that Galatians really fights against the idea of of the the us and them mentality of, uh, and that seems what's to be be happening in Galatia and what Paul is confronting. So the other unique thing about the book of Galatians, and and just to let you know, I didn't just willy-nilly one day wake up and decide that the pastoral epistles were wrong. I, I, there's an incredible book that was written, God, maybe a hundred years ago called The Problem with the Pastoral Epistles. I can't remember the author right now. I, I know the book is over on one of my bookshelves over here. Um, but but he tears it down like historically the words that are used mathematically even. I mean, it's, it's really phenomenal book. And I think I know that, um, Bart Ehrman wrote a book called, uh, called, what was it called? He's
0: got a lot of other Yeah.
1: What is it? When the forgeries, the name of the book is called forgeries.
0: Harrison wrote problem of the pastoral epistles.
1: Harrison. Okay. So parable of the pastoral epistles. It's not an easy book to find. At least it wasn't when I got it. Um, I had to get copied pages from a library and then eventually tracked down a copy that was photocopied and, um, and then printed again. So, but anyhow, so, so this concept of, of, of grace is, it, it, yeah, Bart Ehrman, who I think is an incredible communicator. A lot of people don't like him because he's not a Christian anymore. And I just was like, uh, he's a great communicator and thinker. You don't have to agree with people who communicate and think and write all the time. Um, but his book touches on a lot of the reasons why he also believes those are forgeries. So we both concur. And I know that's a heavy thing to start out with in the Bible, you know, um, talking about. Because most of us have been raised not to question it and that it's a perfect book and that it was handed down from heaven. Um, but that's just not it, I mean, there's lots of contradictions. I actually have a book over here somewhere about just all the contradictions, you know, in the Bible next to each other. Maybe one day we'll go through a study on that um, because it's written by human beings, by people. They're letters. It's a collection of books. You know, it's it's like a library, and so that's what's great about the Bible. And so I don't throw the Bible out because there's things I disagree with or things that I think were put in differently. You know, or wrong. You know, I mean, I I have a lot of friends who are like, I think we can redeem the epistles, the pastoral epistles, and I'm like, well, you know, go, go for it. You know, um, but that's not going to be me. So anyway, Galatians to me is is, is an earth-shattering book. Um, I don't know if we're going to get through all of Galatians 1 today. It just kind of depends. Um, but I, I think a lot about this book, and it is really the essence of my work. So I hope you guys enjoy this uh, the next few weeks as we just kind of, probably the next month or two as we go through the book of Galatians and try to, to do it. And I can't wait to hear some of your feedback, too, because, you know, we have the afterglow. So feel free to shoot. And pushback or things like that too, because um, that's what we do here. We discuss. We we discuss well. We argue well. We uh, try to try to be human beings to each other. Uh, the letter of Galatians, one one. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission, nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the members of God's family who are with me to the church of Galatia. Now, right off the bat, Paul starts to give his credentials. And the reason is is this, he's giving his credentials is because there were a group, of, group uh, called Judaizers um, who were Jewish who were coming in to say that Paul was not an official apostle because he never walked with Christ and that his message was... Uh, not right because he did not believe that people had to convert to Judaism before converting to Christianity. They felt like you needed to you know, convert to Judaism, follow the laws, um, go through those things. And then you could convert to Christianity that it was kind of a two-step process. And so they were coming and saying, Paul's message is is, is just trying to make you happy and he's trying to people please. And he's not really called by Christ. And so what he's doing right off the bat is, is showing you this is who I am. I'm not called by the apostles. I'm not called by anybody. Jesus has called me, and that's strictly it. So it's like he's just completely coming out of the bat, reminding them, because he's been there, but now he's reminding them, you know, this is who I am, and this is who I'm called by. And it's pretty interesting, because it's, it's the greatest book on grace, I think, is it's also a book of rebuke. So I think that says something pretty powerful, that when someone can write a letter that is rebuking a group of people, and make it the greatest book written on grace is pretty amazing. Or greatest letter, I guess. So it goes, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins and set us free from the present evil age according to the will of our God our Father to whom the glory forever and ever amen right out the gate paul starts right here i am astonished that you are quickly deserting the one who called you in grace christ in grace of christ and are turning to a different gospel not that there is another gospel but there are some who are confusing you And want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you the gospel contrary to what we proclaimed to you, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims you a gospel contrary to what you receive, let that one be accursed. Now he's obviously... There's all sorts of different explanations on this verse, and for time's sake, we're not going to go through all of them. Um, One day I'll I'll probably do just something that I record on myself and everybody can go through or maybe write another book. My second book is kind of loosely based on the book of Galatians. Um, Actually, my third book. I'm sorry, I was just thinking differently. My third book is, is roughly the skeletal system of Galatians. Um. But so Paul's already saying, like, if somebody comes preaching, to the, the, there's a curse on them, they're cursed, you know, curse be on them, you know, and, and let's not get into curses right now. Let's try to let's try to keep this very human right now and, and step back and have more of a human, human look at at, at, at at the book Um, or a radical reading, if you will. How does this wash and wear for us? Um so like I said with the pastoral epistles, a lot of the reasons we believe what we do about pastorship and how people should act and do things like that. I mean, that's what Paul's basically confronting here is he's saying, you know, you're turning away from grace and you're getting into the idea of legalism and works. You're getting into the idea of virtue signaling. Um, you're getting in the, uh, uh, we, I'm on the right side, you're on the wrong side. You're getting into the us and them mentality. Now, Paul will seem to go into that direction here in, 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 a, in a few minutes. Um, but he's doing that simply because there's no other choice. Linguistically wise is for him to have to confront these folks, but he's trying to confront them as others, but not to be others for them to be as a community. He's saying these folks who are doing these things. So he's talking about this group of people. But if you'll see, as we get into the end, he wraps and is trying to get them to come back in, you know, to be a community. So they're actually coming in, starting the more of the trouble and the S and them and preaching this other gospel that says you have to be circumcised in order to be a Christian, or you have to be a Republican to be a Christian, or you have to be a Democrat to be a Christian, or you have to be a confessional Christian to be a Christian, or you have to say a special prayer um, so many of the traditions that we follow in the in Christian culture and in, in the Christian legacy are not even biblical things I mean I, I don't even I can't find a place where there's the, the sinner's prayers in the Bible you know it, it, it's not there um, so a lot of things that we hold very sacred are 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 really sacred cows, you know, I mean, they've become these engraven images that we, we, we hold on to and think are so we're idly important. I mean, growing up, if I was like, if you didn't say the prayer, if you didn't raise your hand with every eye closed and every head bowed and then get up in front of everybody afterwards, because you were tricked, um, you weren't really a Christian. And, um, you, I could use I can use certain verses certain verses to say why that's important, but those weren't the intended uses of those verses. You know, you you, you can make the Bible Bible talk uh, the way you want it to talk. Um, but what Paul is doing here is he's making it very clear that this is another gospel. And for me, it's funny for for Martin Luther the reformer in Germany. I mean, this was a huge huge moment in his life that the church had to change because he realized the church was using all these things to control people, selling indulgences, you know, Oh, if you give this amount, you can get somebody out of this level of hell. Or if you give this amount, you can, you can be forgiven of a particular sin, which is horrific. Um, but in the same way we do that with like, if you pray enough, if you do this enough, or if you give up this enough, or if you don't do that, you know, you know, if you believe the right thing and if you have the right theology, I mean, why do we have so many different denominations in this world? It's because everybody thinks that they've got the truth cornered. And one thing about revolution is we do not have the truth cornered. Um, and I don't think any of those other folks do either. Um, we won't be starting a denomination anytime soon. Um, but Paul, so, so, so Luther saw the need for this idea and this message of grace to come in and change the church because the church had created this system that was toxic. And I will argue now that I believe that we are in a time where the church system is toxic. Absolutely, and it's got to change, and probably more so than ever because I think the whole church. I think for me, if you uh, maybe five or six, seven years ago, I, I would have said, you know, the 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 evangelical church has to change. Um, but now I'm starting to see an issue. It's like I think both evangelicals and mainline denominations um, have forgotten the reason we are we are here and, and have, have created the gospel into something else, another gospel. Um, I don't think it's out of evil intentions. I just think it's that it's a, it's, it, we're just seeing what happens when we subscribe to a particular theology rather than over humanity and over spirituality and over life. Um, let, let's go on. Um, so here Paul's out of the gate says how astonished he is. Uh, I like the New Living Translation because I'm shocked that you're following another gospel. You know, he's like just angry. So he's astonished that we're getting away from the gospel of grace. Um, and, and he goes into 10 and he goes, am I now seeking human approval or God's approval or am I trying to please people? And, and I love this line and I've probably used it a million times. If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I think that's really powerful is because so often people say, oh, you know, you're trying to be a people pleaser. You're trying to make people happy. You're trying to tickle their ears. I know when I became an LGBTQ ally years ago, that was my biggest critique was that I was trying to tickle people's ears.
0: Tickle them so much that they all left
1: me. tickle them so much that now we're now they hate you <laughs> <laughs> i have a volunteer <laughs> who needs to get paid um but anyway the the this this idea that paul was the, the idea that grace is tickling ears this idea of getting rid of a system that can control people and make people do what you want it to do based out of guilt or fear of damnation, or some other world where you'll be burnt for eternity. I mean, those are pretty scary things to threaten people with. And um, and a lot of people believe that stuff very easily and and feel like they don't belong, they aren't cared for, unless they do a certain amount of things. And I was in that as well. I, I just felt like I, I could never make God happy. I thought God was this angry, mean human being, man no. in the sky that, amen. you know, and I don't believe that that in that anymore because a lot of it because of this book um but this idea of pleasing people that's what paul's trying to say is is, is, uh, if i was pleasing people i I would not be christian for me it's like if i was trying to please people i would not be a christian or into theology um or philosophy or or pushing back or, or encouraging people constantly weekly to argue well and have hard conversations um you know that's just people pleasing business isn't what Paul's doing here, obviously. And that's what's great about this book, about the Galatians, is that, you know, he's got hell on his hands now, and he's being accused of of people-pleasing because he's talking about grace. And you'll see that happen over and over again. Um, it's almost, you know, it's that we need this this sense of, we need the real to be in our sense you know we want it to be real and so i think as what happens is we want religion to be real and and tangible we add traditions yeah. you know we have you know a lot of them are amazing like you know people singing before service and after service and, and, you, know, and you know nice beautiful buildings and community and I mean a lot of those things are fantastic and, and started with, with the disciples um, but then you know we just start to add things here and there you know and it starts to become this idea of of, of uh, oh, what is the word I'm looking for um Morality. It becomes this morality tale. Uh-huh. And so when we get into this morality trap of being good, moral human beings because of Christianity, and they then sell the lie of, like, you know, I've heard people say, like, oh man, if it wasn't for Christianity, I'd be a serial killer. I'm like, well, you know, you probably should go to therapy because if that's what you would do without this religion, you're probably a pretty screwed up person. And you're like, I do whatever I want, yeah. you know.
0: In that Ricky Gervais uh, <laughs> TV show, Afterlife, I don't know if you've seen that one, Jay. I have seen that. Yeah, but there's that that quick little uh, exchange where his co-worker says—
1: Oh, no, I didn't see that one. He says,
0: if there's no God, then what's keeping you—then why aren't you just going around raping and pillaging as much as you want? And Ricky goes, I am raping and pillaging as much as I want, which is absolutely (laughs) none at all. (laughs)
1: Right. So (laughs) this idea that somehow morality is brought on by Christianity is, I feel like, a trick that we've used— in order to manipulate people to become Christians, and well, you can't really be a moral person unless you believe it, and that's just not true. No, you know, I, I know a l- lot of people who are probably more moral than Christians, who who don't believe in God and don't want anything to do with Christianity. Um, I, I'll create a list one day for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the idea. Is is so? It's this other gospel that we feel that we have to we have to add spices to. You know, it's like a bland. It's kind of bland, you know, this whole idea of grace and forgiveness and acceptance and that that'll somehow make you better, you know, is kind of bland. So maybe we should add ways that it should make you better, you know, we'll give you goals to reach, we'll give you so you can can make it, you know, really meaty, you know, really, really there, you know, and if we have some control, then it's religion. And that's what happens in a lot of religions is it becomes about control and about telling people like, oh, you're the only good ones, Ah, uh, yep. you know. And so you think, well, of course, I've got to buy into this faith because I'm the only good one. you know. And yeah. if that doesn't work, then scare you with hell. Yep. Now, I'm telling you all this because I think there's something to Christianity. There's something to the idea of love in the faith of Christianity that is very different than most most religions. And I also believe that the humiliation of Christ on the cross is, is something that, that that is a bit of a differ. And I think those things are powerful enough in themselves that we do not need to manipulate the Gospels um, to be something they're not um now you could probably get into Peter and John and a few of those bible verse in the Bible verses in there and and we could have a really good argument about some sort of this works versus grace versus legalism um, but we'll get into that a little bit here now, so you know that's why I like Galatians, I feel like it just covers it all um, so paul's making it clear. I'm not here to please people and I'm, I'm called from Jesus. So, you know, might those in your notes. Um, 11 says, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that as the gospel that was proclaimed to me is not by human orientation. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. You have heard no doubt of my earlier life in Judaism, I was a violent persecute, pr- prosecutor, persecutor of the church of God and was trying to destroy it. Now, this is literal. Paul was working with the governments to have Christians arrested and killed. Um, now, this is interesting, too, because I, I like about this book is like there would be no way we would have an Apostle Paul in these days. You know, I mean... Unless Apostle Paul was like a, a rock star, a movie star, a musician. There's something about Christianity and and, and, and celebrities. They just, they love each other. Um, Don't look at me. You know, like, oh, oh, this guy got saved and he's in a band. Now he's a preacher. Like, what if they did yeah. that with every person that right? came to Christianity? Like, oh, come get on stage. Justin Bieber's church
0: is coming to <laughs> town.
1: I did see something that said Justin Bieber was wanting to get a job at Hillsong to help straighten things out there. Oh, that's weird. Which, hmm, shocker. Hmm. Pretty funny.
0: Never seen it coming. <laughs> um, is Chris Pratt also going to come <laughs> on as their consultant? I
1: don't know. I, I feel to make uh, Hillsong affirming. I'm down with it. Um, so he goes on to say, I, I advised, so, 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 so the point though, is, is that Paul was this persecutor of Christianity. He was doing everything to defeat Christianity when he had this moment where he had this vision of, of Christ and I think a lot of us might be able to relate to that idea because none of us have obviously met Jesus, but where we felt something, you know, something changed for us. Um, even even uh, my buddy Pete Rollins talks about having an experience that was almost supernatural. You know, that just this is why he still does theology. Oh, wow. You know, and so it, it's pretty interesting. So so I think Paul has has this vision. I, I'm going to go on and read it so we don't just have to harp on. But Paul was. Was, uh, was comes from the Jewish tradition. He was a pretty, pretty amazing uh, Pharisee. And so when he's dealing with these Judaizers, he knows their language. He knows who he's talking to. He's not just some guy off the street trying to, to argue with people that he wouldn't know about. He, he knows what's going on here. Um, I advanced in my Judaism beyond many among my people the same, at the same age. For I was far more zealous for the tradition than any of my ancestors. But God who had set me apart before I was born and called me, though his great through his grace, I was pleased to reveal his son to me, so that I might proclaim him amongst the Gentiles. Now this is another radical thing and where we go into almost this Martin Luther thing, is right now, at this point Christianity was for Jews. And people Mm -hmm. from Judaism. It wasn't a religion that reached outside of Judaism. It was for the chosen people of God. And along comes Paul, who has this vision, and all of a sudden says, okay, I want to reach this group that we've always thought was less than. I want to, I want to, and we'll see that Paul gets so far into it when we get even further that he just, he's like swiping out identity altogether. Like, he's just like, there's no more them and those and them and us, which is not probably would be, a, would, is not the most popular opinion for a lot of people because we we like our labels, we like our titles, we like, we, we like to keep things, and it's like this fine line that we all walk. And and, and Paul's coming in and going, nope, Gentiles too. Everybody's in. So this is the Reformation again. This is the first Reformation of Christianity is the Apostle Paul's life. Um, so think about that for a minute. Um, so he goes on to say, um, Through grace I was pleased to reveal to son to me so that I might proclaim him amongst the Gentiles. I did not confer with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were already apostles before me, which was the disciples. But I went away at once into Arabia, and afterwards I reunited, returned to Damascus. So Paul's trying to say, like, listen, I mean, he's just trying to basically prove to you, this is my calling. This isn't something that I didn't meet with any of the apostles. I didn't meet with any of the disciples. I had a real, genuine experience with Christ, with the risen Christ. And I think this is another interesting thing to look at, is that we often think of the risen Christ as being this, you know, body. And don't touch me. I'm not, I haven't come down yet, you know. But Paul is, is saying the vision is, is, is just as real. That it, to, to him, the experience that he had is just as real that it would have been to any of the apostles who walked with Christ. And so that's, that's a pretty interesting concept and idea of, uh, of what, a risen, what the risen Christ truly is. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas mm-hmm. and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you, before God, I do not, <clears throat> I do not lie. Then I went into the region of Syria, Syria, and Cilicia, and I was still unknown by sight to the church of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard it said, the one who formerly was persecuting us is now proclaiming the faith. He once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Um, So it's interesting because no one knew what Paul looked like, and so he was able to walk into these towns and hear stories about him. Like, have you heard of this guy? You know what I mean? It must have been a hard sell. Um, hey, I was the one putting you guys in prison and having you killed and used as lanterns to <laughs> flame parties. They would right. literally burn Christians in certain governments, yeah. would burn Christians in the midst of parties. Now, talk about an intense Gothic party. I mean,
0: could, would it be a fair modern day parallel, Jay, do you think, to say like, oh, yeah, I used to be a proud boy. You know, I, I, I used to, to, to beat up people who were in your group. But now here I am. I'm, I'm reformed. I'm changed. I'm not here. Because he was literally killing, you know, the, the, the yeah. fringe Christians.
1: But I don't even think that's far enough. I mean, I, I, I mean. Like, can you
0: imagine, though? If, let's just say, like, as a bite sized thing that we can reference. Like, what if I had online exchanges with a proud boy, and all of a sudden, two years later, he reaches out to me, and he's like, hey, man, everything's totally changed now. Like, I just don't know how. I would still have a lot of reservations about
1: that. Well, I, see, I honestly, I've seen things like that happen a lot. That's great. Uh, I've seen I a remember. lot. I've seen a, a few zealot s- folks come around, really, you know, yeah, and 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 even come back and apologize to me um, yeah. for things like that. That's great. Um, I I really do believe that we're all. I mean, grace to me, and what I said is, when we back away from 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 just even the Christian idea of grace for me, and, and more of a radical reading or maybe a human reading of grace, is that is when we approach one another in a form of respecting one another's humanity um and just by arguing not mm-hmm. by we always think we have to respect one another's humanity by by recognizing one another and i think that's a great way to go and that's obviously the reason why you want to argue well yes but the first thing for me and grace is that we are willing to argue with one another because when we scapegoat one another nothing changes um when we're not willing to be within the presence of others Um, there is no grace to be had. Mm. So I I think that's why I've always pushed back on the idea of safe spaces. I think they're great, but I don't think they're for churches. And the reason is, is because in order to have tough dialogue, in order to have dialogue that changes people, um, you know, maybe church, maybe that'd be a side of a church, like, oh, we have safe night and everybody who agrees with each other can hang out. Um, And you'll find out that none of them agree with each other. But, but the idea is, 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 is that, we, that we allow grace to happen in the midst of those arguments. We allow grace to happen within the midst of sitting down at the coffee shop or at the pub. That's when grace is at work. Um, when we're having radical discussions and, and disagreeing well, that we're able to leave without, love for, without losing love for the other. Um often unfortunately disagreements even just political disagreements cause us to just continually cut one another out completely of our lives and we see that a lot now and it's almost the, the left is a demanding some woke folks demand that like oh you've got to cut these people out of your life you know this has gone too far um but i, I, I kind of go back to more of a nonviolence idea of like, no, that would be violence towards them if I didn't talk to them, if I didn't try to further the conversation. You know, I, I might not try to further the conversation when they have a club in their hand. You know, that, that's probably a good time to, to move on. But I would at a later date try to find a safer AOA to have that conversation. And maybe sometimes having that conversation by just merely Having your presence there when they do have the club in your hand is also a moment where they have to recognize that you are an individual that they strongly dis- they are beating for no reason. I mean, that was kind of the idea behind nonviolence. Is still this idea of eventually you will recognize my humanity, and if you don't recognize it, people who are exposed to this injustice will recognize my humanity, and that was a very powerful thing in the '60s during the civil rights is that when the television cameras showed, it might not have been the very policemen who were being changed, who I think some of them were changed in time, but it was the people watching the show seeing black bodies hosed down, dogs on, being beaten, and all of a sudden they weren't seen as, 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 as African Americans or colored people, as they said back then. they were, they were starting to be, Some people were starting to see them as humans going like, what are we doing? Recognizing the injustice there. Now, did it revolutionize the world? No. Should it have? Yes. Did it change the world? Yes. Um, did it set us in a better direction than we were in? Yes. Do we need to do a lot more work? Of course. Um, but the idea was is the recognition, recognizing the humanity of the other. And I feel like that's an important part of grace. And so when I think about Paul, and the interesting thing about Paul is, is Paul coming from this life and having this radical transition, even one that would, would make me nervous and, and make Caleb, uh, obviously uh, well as nervous, um, is, is, is it's interesting that this is the person that, uh, that grace hits is someone who was our enemy. Um, You know, but not just an enemy in a way of saying, well, he wrote a lot of really powerful books, you know, giving good theological reasons why we shouldn't believe what we believe or giving good scientific reasons why we shouldn't believe. It wasn't like Richard Dawkins, you know, all of a sudden was a Christian because we'd all celebrate it and throw up. You'd be on Christian TV tomorrow, you know, preaching sermons Um, that probably weren't great. I've seen athletes who just get saved and they throw them up on TV and then everybody gets mad because the guy's sermon wasn't good. I'm like, you just made him a preacher in like two days, you know. You know, maybe give him a little more time in the Bible. Um, <laughs> but anyhow, um, I digress. So, so this was someone who was violently persecuting us and violently persecuting Christians. And, uh, and the great thing was, is no one said, well, it's too late or he was too horrible or he was too awful um, or he's loving the wrong people. Um, something happened. And inclusion won in this game. And that's what I've always found interesting about grace. You know, the idea that, that the Apostle Paul is, is uh, or uh, Martin Luther, has this moment of grace and how much we see it shape and change the church all through this idea of grace. Now, of course, we build systems on it and become the systems and all of a sudden that need to be torn down. But I think that's the idea, is that we all eventually become systems. That's why we really fight against being a denomination or being too organized or all this stuff um, and having like, Oh, here's our list of doctrines, you know, because yeah. those for me changed quite often. Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: And so, uh, but, but, but Luther saw that, you know, and you were seeing and that's what Paul's seeing is, is this idea of grace really changes things. And then eventually we need grace again to change things again. So people say, well, how do we do, you know, reformation? How does the church reform? I really think it comes through this concept that we're going to get into deeply over the next few weeks of what grace really is and recognizing humans in a universal way and race, you know, uh, and not based on their religion or their sexuality or their color or these ideas. Not that those things are going to be left out. Of course they're not. But Paul is showing that when we, when we put those things first, they'll often get in the way of, of recognizing someone's humanity. Yes. And so Paul is stripping it down to say, no, we are all one, and so that's a pretty powerful thing about, about this book is that we're all one. And what's funny is, is years and years ago when I would preach this stuff, uh, uh, my 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 evangelical friends would really get angry with me. And in the past few years that I've preached it, I've had some of my m- m- my more liberal friends get angry with me because they're like, "Oh, you know, we fought for identities," and and I'm going, "I'm not trying to say this or that." What I'm trying to say is that this is what I've, what what Paul teaches is kind of the essence of the grace message, and is trying to give us eyes to see differently, and eyes to love differently. Because to me, grace just doesn't demand anything, and that's why I see grace as a type of anarchy. Is that grace is always for the person you don't want it for, want it to have. You know, it's always we always want a little asterisk with the ideas of grace, um, so we can have an if and or but for grace, and there's just no butts in grace, unfortunately. You know, I'm, I'm a butt man. and uh, <laughs> Wink. Um, but yeah, th- there's not room for it. And so it is unfair. It doesn't completely make sense. Recognizing others' humanities m- makes it hard to hold grudges or hard yeah. to even say, well, I have a conviction that this is wrong. Yeah, but does. first I kind of have to see you as a human, so can we have a t- conversation? And a lot of people that I would meet uh, along the way, when I worked with Soul Force years ago, a lot of parents I would meet was that they said, Well, it was my kid, and they're my child, and they're human beings. You know, they're, 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 they're that first. And, you know, recognizing the essence of their humanity is what changed them. Yes. So I think where we, we often fail is, is that we're going to say, Well, I'm going to push this one, or I'm going to push this about me, or this about me, and force you to love me, when it's just people often lose the fact that, that we are all all going through this horrific life together. I think that's the interesting thing about COVID is that we're all going through COVID together. The whole world is going through COVID and how we choose to react, how we choose to cheat others is is dependent upon us. Um, But it gives you an idea of the recognized humanity that we all suffer together, that we're all going through something together. And if anything could build empathy towards the other is this. Um, What I loved about the $600 besides being six hundred dollars was the fact that I went on social media and I can maybe the Congress. What I love about the Congress even further than six hundred dollars is I went on social media and I'm seeing my conservative friends angry about the six hundred dollars and pointing out, you know, some of the the Democrat people who are involved in it. And then I'm seeing my my liberal friends angry about the $600, I'm seeing Democrats and Republicans come together over the fact that Congress is giving us a raw deal, that Congress is not showing us, treating us like human beings or people who've put taxes into the system. And everyone was equally as upset. And then when you look at the votes and you see how many Democrats were against this raising raising the $600, you go like, oh my gosh, it's just the whole Congress is screwed up and something's got to change. And there needs to be, if you will a reformation within our congress some laws and some things desperately really need to change cuz they're all they seem to be completely out of touch with our humanity and with people being homeless and people being hungry and people need it doesn't homelessness and hunger and being poor doesn't care what party you're a part of it affects us all and so seeing people kind of come together and make funny memes out of out of this $600 really brought me a lot of joy. You know, it really brought me a lot of joy because it, it was like, you know, here we are, you know, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, nor Democrat, nor Republican, for we're all one when it comes to the fact that we all need a lot more than $600 to help us make it through this ordeal, that we're all struggling to pay our rent, that we're all going through a rough time. And uh, so, it, 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 so, so in some ways, the silver lining around that shit cloud um, was the fact is that we 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 do seem to care about humanity and about the poor and that seems to go beyond politics and uh, or care about our own selves being taken care of that seems to go beyond politics but still the ideal is is that it was a strange unifier for us to find um, but I really believe that that's what Paul's talking about is this type of thing that brings us all together and all of a sudden we're not. W- white heterosexual males or, you know, poor gay youth or, you know, a woman of color or all this, all these things, vitally important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But all of a sudden, it's just all of us together. You know, it's not the agendas seem to be stripped down because we're just going like we're all suffering here it doesn't matter what we do it doesn't matter what religion what church we go to on sunday or don't go to on sunday or what science or non science we believe in or how many crystals you will give you power well, does, none of that it matters to us anymore what really matters to us is that we're all able to take care of our families and that we're all able to live life and live life okay we're not even asking to live life well we're just saying we just want to survive and the survival instinct has, kicks in, and for me, grace runs through that. Just really, just shines through that idea of whatever it takes to strip us down so much that we can see one another and respect one another to take care of each other's families, to have food on our table, and things like that. I mean, it's pure love. Doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. So there's 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 my my talk on Galatians 1 today. So we're going to go ahead and open this up for feedback. And I see we've gotten some. Um, I haven't read any because I'm not supposed to. Not allowed to. <laughs> I'm watching. Caleb's right. He's right behind. <laughs> Just like Jesus. <laughs> Always watching.
0: Yeah. Uh, we got some nice some nice feedback, some nice comments, and some questions as well. Uh, one thing to kind of open it out here, Ray, our Belfast listener, said, It would be interesting to take a comparative look into how unique grace-like concepts are to Christianity. I wonder how the grace concept is reflected in other religions and philosophies. Is grace the unique contribution of the Jesus tradition, or is that something we've been conditioned to think? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that uh, I would compare grace in Buddhism to the Buddhist concept of compassion, because the Buddha's always talking about compassion. Like, that's the big thing to seek after showing compassion to your fellow humans you can't show compassion to them until you show compassion to yourself sounds a little familiar some some christ teachings um but yeah i I think that anyway just the first thing that pops in my head ray is that uh compassion in eastern traditions i think parallels grace in uh western but do you have any thoughts jay
1: no i i agree i think there i think grace isn't necessarily the major separator in our faith um Unless you get super radical with it. Um, I think all faiths have a sense of grace and forgiveness. Um, but I think forgiveness goes beyond grace. Forgiveness wipes away what the one would need forgiveness for. Mm. Um, hmm. So grace is this pure thing. Like uh, Paul Tillich, you can, you can find it anywhere. Paul Tillich wrote a sermon called You Are Accepted. It's in the, his book, Shaking of the Foundations. Um, but if you type that into Google... Free, free free this sermon will come up free and i think it's one of the best sermons uh, on grace i've ever ever read um nice so i'd highly recommend that and i think that really shows because grace doesn't demand that you become christian or more christian or you believe more or you change or you you know th- th- grace doesn't demand anything and so i think that for me finding that out was what blew me away with the bible and I think the question is, is and, and maybe we could ask some of our folks who have different faith belief systems, um, is there that that runs through there? I think one of the really major things is is, is uh, one of the differences. I think is really the humiliation of God on the cross is, is is maybe the big separator of of some faiths. But I think everybody has their faith, and then you have a lot of people who are who different, do it differently. So I'm sure there's there's people who think like I do, who are Muslims, who are Sikhs um i always struggle with calling buddhism a religion because I, I, it's very interesting to me it's it's unique in a lot of ways so uh, but you know you're going to always find a lot of grace there i think um but i think it's it's a it's a it's a healthy healthy question um unfortunately i i have not had a world religion studies class and so all my world religions are are from just literally little different books you see on here and unfortunately i probably tell you more about differences between the punk rock scene and the hardcore scene than most religions but i'll 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 definitely it's given me a great thing to think about
0: cool um similarly joe um asked you to define grace um and i had something to kind of piggyback behind that i don't know if let me let me just like slip this in here real quick before you do define grace because i had the same thought and I was wondering if there's a difference between, let's say you have a spectrum of, of judgmental condemnation on one side. And then there's kind of a lack of that condemnation. And then on the other side, there's there's grace. And so I, I was just kind of wondering, is the lack of condemnation synonymous with grace? Is it something that leads into grace saying, okay, okay, I understand where you were coming from. But then is there a further step that has to be taken to actually apply grace itself apart from just empathy and understanding. Um, no, I mean,
1: I think grace in some ways is is like indifference with love. Indifference with love?
0: With how you apply or show love?
1: <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's like you're not letting that, If when you're indifferent to someone, and indifference is like the last thing you want, and you know, when you're in a relationship or someone breaks up with you, 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 know, you don't want to be indifferent, because that means they just don't care anymore. You know, you're like... They don't think about this. They don't think about that. And there's like, well, I don't, it's over. I'm done. I don't, I think about it. Now, when I say it with love is what I'm saying is that love is there going like, I love you. And I'm indifferent about these things that you've done. Mm-hmm. I'm indifferent about this situation. I mean, of course, you're still going to have to pay. Like if you killed somebody, you're still going to have to go to prison. You're still going to have to do that. If you put your hand on a burner is what I used to always use. Yeah. And you put your hand up, it's going to have a ring on it no matter what. Um, you know, you're going to be burnt. But grace is that, that, that. That concept of where we're able to look at people and show what is called unmerited favor, completely undeserved, nothing deserved, nothing undeserved. Neither, none of that comes into the spectrum. Mm. What comes into the spectrum is I recognize you as a human being and find worth in your life, mm. period. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. And so that's where it gets really radical. That's where it, that's where I think it's 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 hard to remove from the religion. And that's why when I say when I remove it from religion, I'm saying we we see each other as humans, even by facing one another in an argument, um, because it is kind of a the religious part of it is is pretty pretty radical. It, it's not, you know, um, the Lutherans would say um, you said you couldn't say that they they accepted grace. You had to say they want, they don't like the word accepting grace. Some Lutherans, I don't know about all Lutherans, but I know when I spoke at a Lutheran conference, they said, do not use the word accepted, use the word receive because grace had to be something that they received because accepted was too much of a thing of doing something to receive, to
0: receive it. Yeah. To merit it. Yeah.
1: So you, 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 to earn it. Yeah. I mean, I'm right now really trying to work on ways to redefine grace and what that looks like outside of the faith of Christianity and what that looks like in humanity. And, and so that's kind of my work right now is, is where do we, where does grace fit in outside of the church and how do we use it? Um, because I think it's needed everywhere. For sure.
0: Um, Zoe piped up again here and said, okay. I it's under- so
1: funny. I always think of Zoe when I'm say- doing these talks. Yeah, especially this, yeah. I know, I know, because it's it's touchy. I know. It is touchy. Go ahead. righty. I wanted to say that just in case. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. I understand all of us seeing each other together as equal members of Jesus' community. However, I immediately wonder about how this translates into the necessary act of amplifying the voices of those who have been more oppressed or most oppressed. Reparations, etc. For me, being a Jesus follower means listening to and following folks like Jesus, indigenous resistors of uh, col- colonialism. Sorry, persons of color, the poor. So we are equal, absolutely, and we are all on the same pay or we're all in the same sea, but we aren't actually all in the same boat. Some boats are leaking rafts and need a lot more attention.
1: And I think he's right. And so this is the thing, though, is like someone put their you know, chocolate in my peanut butter. Someone put their mm. peanut butter in my chocolate. Um, remember that Reese's Pieces commercial or Reese's Peanut, peanut Butter Cups? Cups? Yeah. So it, 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 what we're talking about is is two things here. We're talking about grace and love. Now, I honestly think those two are so almost irre- 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 you can't it, it, You can't separate them. Um, and I think that's also the fun part about grace is, is that when we start to show grace to people, there's a lot of love that comes through that and, and there, and there's that, you know, how Bible talks about the peace that passes all understanding. It's almost like this love that passes all understanding that grace is just built right in there, just sewn right in Grace and love. They kind of go hand in hand. And I think love is, I think love leads to grace. Honestly, I I think love, loving people even more and and it can be dangerous. I mean, you, I, I think about nonviolent resistors and all those men and women who have been killed doing that uh it's not the safe thing. Uh, grace is not the easy way or the safe way. Um but when I think about what you're talking about to me it's love. You know, my reaction is yes, we're human beings, but if I see a human being suffering for any reason, I should help them. Um but there's always different things. Like I worked a lot with the homeless and when I was younger and I mean it just cha- it changed my life. And um but I'm going to give you an example, and it's not going to be a popular example, but I'm going to give you an example of just my honest life. Um, when I moved into my house, um, one day me and the kids were just moving in, getting ready and just getting stuff together. And, you know, I was just tr- trying to make the kids as comfortable as possible and, you know, new home, you know, and mom's got one, dad's got one. And, and so, you know, you just want to make it special for them. And my, my, my son walked out the door and goes, hey, dad, there's somebody sleeping in the hallway. And I have these stairwells that you go up, you got three stairwells, and there's just this little flat spot in each one. And um, I go, ha, 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 funny, funny. No, dad, I'm not kidding. So I come out and there's somebody in a sleeping bag laying down in my, in the hallway. And Milo and Minnie are both sitting there very frightened. And this guy gets up and he starts talking and I go, get the hell out of here, man. Get, you can't be here. This is not, you can't sleep here. You've got to go. Now, none of my training as a pastor was there. None of my thought of grace and love came into the moment. All that came into my moment was I was a dad, and my kids were frightened. And I probably definitely could have handled it better. Um, but I guess I guess the reason for that example is, is that I don't always show grace, and I don't always show love, you know, I, to, to, the, to the the people who need it most. I mean, it would have been better for me to go down and be like, "Hey, man, can I call a." a Somebody for you? Can I help you out? Blah blah. No, my reaction was is my my kids are scared, and and the fact was they were. I mean, even today when the kids are leaving, um, Milo goes, "Do you want me to check if the ghost is clear, or do you want to check if the ghost is clear?" So every time he leaves my house, he thinks there's going to be somebody laying. He's afraid that there's somebody down there on the at the end of the stairs. Um. So yeah, uh, there's different ways to, to do that. You know, um, that wasn't the most loving way to do that. Um. You know, I don't even know why I was why was I telling that story. Do you remember?
0: Because we were walking up to your apartment. and I never, I'd never been here before, and you were saying, "Oh, that's oh yeah, the- no."
1: But I was no. I mean, oh, why do you initially go into just it? Just this story here now. Why was I saying it? Now? Oh, you're just
0: talking about um, different ways, like just to, sh- to to show kindness, and that you had to be dad, and not pastor. Yeah,
1: you know. I mean, it was it was it was a weird thing, and and, and I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not happy about it. Anyway, the point is is is, is that we all show love and humanity a different way. We all show, We are all humans in different ways. So that was my my lack, right there. Yeah, you know, my huge lack of. of, of I'm not Pastor J. I'm just a guy who doesn't want his kids to be frightened. Um, came into it. So I think we all have those those, those things in us. But love. Does see when people who suffer less than we want to help them, we want to feed them, we want to care for them. I think if you got Ricky Gervais here who doesn't believe in God, then basically because he just doesn't, there's no proof, and he's like, if you prove there's God, I'm going to believe in God. But we had Ricky Gervais here, we'd find out that Ricky Gervais helps and loves a lot of people better than I do. He might have gone down. I'm like, hey, mate, you need to get up. You know, let me help you out. You know, here's some food and five hundred bucks. I don't know what Ricky Gervais would have done, but. um But the point is, is that we're all going through this human experience together, you know, and we're all trying to love one another. So yes, we've got to love those who are less than. And I think grace does that. But there's always any moments where we're not in grace, where we're not showing love that we have to do. I think it's one of those things that has to continuously go checked within us. Um, But I I think they go hand in hand. But I think when you show grace, sometimes you're not, it's not necessarily, you're usually showing it to somebody who's after you or hurting you or doing things like that or or, or, uh, uh, offended you. Um... So it just depends on who's it in Because right now, I mean, like capitalists, really wealthy, rich capitalists are the people I'm having to go to grace, show grace towards. And so, I mean, how do I help them? Maybe by sitting down and explaining to them the damage that it's doing to the rest of the humans in this country and in this world. Um, That's the best explanation. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole if I try to explain it anymore because I lost my train of thought a little bit. So, Caleb, what else we got?
0: Uh, Joanna said, we have to have grace for ourselves, too. That is very true. And then Zoe said, Ricky Gervais has his things too. He wouldn't have a lot of love for me or anyone else in this community who is non-binary or trans. We're all on a journey.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. It's funny interesting with that comment too is I watched a really interesting conversation with Ricky Gervais. And what was the other guy's name? I sent you a copy of it
0: with Ricky Gervais
1: and, and the other comedian, Oh uh,
0: Stephen Merchant.
1: No, no, no. The, uh, the guy who's kind of a spiritualist guy. Remember? That? Oh,
0: oh yeah. Russell Brand.
1: Russell Brand. Yeah. I, I Hey, I would recommend Zoe. So, and if I can find it, I'll send it to you. This conversation with Russell Brand and Ricky Gervais. I saw a part of him, like I had never seen before. And I was just like kind of blown away by it. And, um, it, it kind of made me, uh, experience his humanity more and not feel threatened or anything by him. Um, uh, and I, it was really good, so I, 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 I'll send it to you, and you can we can have a good conversation about it. We're due for one anyway. I've been so crazy with the move and everything.
0: Oh, okay. Here's a little kind of a heady question that popped into my head: was what or how do we go about navigating this really nuanced kind of gray balance between you know come in, come as you are, we'll accept you, you know, stay as you are while still growing while still um, you know, edifying yourself spiritually and nourishing the fruits of the spirit and, and, and you know, uh, maybe cultivating righteousness, as some might say, or as in, uh, you, you know, making choices that you feel are ethical and, 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 and resonate with you personally, are true to yourself. Uh, what's the nuanced balance between kind of that mindset and saying, you know, like, come as you are. Uh, but don't stay as you are. You know, like you have to, you have to change while you're brought into the fold. <laughs> you know, like if you're if you're gay, you can come as you are, but you can't stay as you are because you're going to be changed by the Spirit. Um. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering. Like, I, I, I feel like it, it can be taken too far to a left direction to say. Okay, come as you are, and we're all here, and we're all have a fun time, and not challenge each other to better yourselves and to push things further. But then, but then when the conservatives say, "Yeah, I agree," and to better yourself, you need to go to conversion therapy or be celibate. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. You know, it's just
0: a kind of a tricky, a, 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 um, a, a tricky thing to navigate.
1: Yeah, it is, and I think, and I can only give you from what we do, and you know, I'm going to give you my idea of why grace is so powerful is is for me and for the revolution church is if you come to revolution and hopefully we'll have an in-person place one day um we've had different communities everywhere and very rarely have we ever had to ask anybody to to not come back um or you know have a serious talk with them and usually it's been because someone's either making other people uncomfortable or touching them or just screaming at me go to hell um so there's been a few times where we've had to have those conversations or ask people just like, hey, if you're going to be here, you got to either do this or, or you can't be here because we have to have some order to to what we're doing. Um, <clears throat> so even Revolution's not perfect, but that's why I say it's not a safe space. I feel like if you're coming to some place like revolution, um, if you don't change, I think that's fantastic because – I'm not changing your mind. The hard conversations aren't changing your mind. Um, If you're critically thinking and you're at where you're at and you feel peace at where you're at, that's a good thing. Um, And but I think it's a hard place not to change because I think it's a hard place for us not to always try to think where the other person's coming from. Yeah, right. Um, That's what I love about having Zoe on here all the time is because I know one. I know if Zoe pushes back on me, no matter how hard. I know not a lot of people who love me more than that man or that person or them. I'm sorry. i correct. My, my um, pronouns, them, N- you know, they love me quite a bit. And uh, so I know that that's where that's coming from too, is really cool. But you know, we push back, we, 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 we have the conversations. And so I think we're all changing. And I think that revolution could be called evolution yeah. if you wanted to, or you like- know,
0: are <laughs>
1: evolution? Yeah, be very hip. Yeah, yeah. It um, but I feel like you know we're all going through this. We're all changing, and, and and the great thing is is seeing some of your faces pop up on this screen. I know we're all from different backgrounds and different places, and um you know, even when we have trolls, yeah. I see you guys, you know, doing awesome work with them to try to show them grace and mercy and, and love and, and, and say, you know, show humanity. Amazing. work. Yeah. So to me, it's like, to me, it's like, if you create a, a community, that's about all of us realizing that one, there's nothing that's going to meet the lack. We're always going to have the lack. Um, and that we're all contradictions. Um, and that there's not much that's going to change that contradiction, except realizing that we have it. And how do we live within it? And through it together is in a community. Um, I don't think there is anywhere else to go but grow. And um, but you know, I've seen people come into revolution and, and leave and go into conservative Christianity. And I've seen people go out of out of it and not want anything to do with you know think Christianity is the biggest joke in the world. You know, I've always felt like we were somewhat of a waiting room for a while. I don't feel that much of it anymore, but. Um, I think we serve a purpose and I think it's a pretty good one. And when I figure out what it is, I'll let you know. Um, but you know what I mean? So I, I think, I think change is inevitable. And I think of the idea of just, if we just talked purely about grace, if we just talked purely about grace, it would still cause motion to go one way or the other. Yeah. So um, I, I, I think for a lot of pastors, and I think for me as a pastor, when I started off, uh, you get this idea that somehow the congregation is, is an extension of you mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. or you're
1: an extension of them. And then you start to worry about how they reflect on you or you reflect. For so when God. we see a fallen minister, people are like, oh, we can't believe we were there. Oh, they were so... And it reflect on them. Um, when we see people in church, the pastor, oh, you're, you're not meeting up to the church standards because they're worried about how that... And when you take away that projection... Um, it, the church becomes a much cooler place, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, but, uh, but, uh, but we see a lot of that in the church. And so that projection often is to see this moral change or to see people not doing bad things. Like, oh man, if they all go get out drunk, everybody's going to think, oh, all those revolution kids get drunk. And then Jay Baker's a shitty preacher. That's how I used to feel, you know? And now I could care less. Um, but it came through not personalizing things. And I think a lot of people in leadership... Unfortunately, personalize things and don't realize that that's an issue, and it continues to grow. So they feel like there's got to be some sort of change, or it's bad, poorly reflected on me. And um, luckily, I've got a little Irish friend who's who's really helped me to to, to free me from that. And um, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's Irish, um, set me free from that. <laughs> a wee Irish <laughs> but help help set me free free from that. You know, so 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 we don't have that whole system of like. I'm expecting change or I'm expecting whatever, you know, I just, I'm grateful for people to come and, and just, just be part of a, a community where we have really weird conversations and it makes me think more because I, there's so much I don't know, you know, and that's, what's really great. We have anything else? I saw a couple of comments pop up.
0: Yeah. We've got one more quick exchange between Zoe and Ray and then,
1: Okay. Wrap it up here.
0: So Zoe says, I am okay with Revolution not being a safe space for folks who are touching people without consent or screaming at folks that they should go to hell. Folks like that need special targeted help. And then replying to that, Ray said, yes, Zoe, I don't – or I'm sorry. Yes, Zoe, I think it's okay to have a line to draw on the sand too. Maybe it's not as official – organizational line but as a consensus of the people involved
1: yeah yeah well and you know honestly i found for me that boundaries if i can add my two cents into that boundaries for me is often showing grace as well um having boundaries with people i care about even is showing grace and i I, i'm going to go back to my one of my best friends who's had some boundaries with me and uh great thing is, is nothing is serious with us. So we can always take a joke out of it. But some of those boundaries uh, allowed me to be a better person and a better friend. So, so I don't think boundaries are outside of grace. I honestly don't. Um, I think what we've got to do is maybe discuss how we incorporate boundaries into grace, but um, boundaries is, is, is boundaries are, are have made me better. So that's the interesting thing is like, it's kept me from maybe hurting somebody or saying something and it's kept them from hurting me and it's created a space where we can still operate in life. We just know that here's the boundary, here's the boundary and we're not going to cross it. And if we do cross it, then we're going to have really uncomfortable conversations or, or relationship. So there you go, man, you guys have really been good today. Thank you. I mean, this is all from Galatians one. Wait until Sweet. next week. It really gets spicy. <laughs> That's right. Um, oh, I just saw one. The thing. one where Lisa uh, said grace yes. allows
0: us to walk the tension that exists in both honoring self and
1: other. Yeah. I love that. That's good tension. That's a great place to end it. So thank you everyone. Um, you know, I, I after a talk like this, I just feel like this is a community. We're doing this together. And so thank you for, um, doing revolution with me it, made, it means, uh, means the world to me and Caleb and uh, we love what we do and so thank you very much and we will uh, see you all next week Happy New Year
0: We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the Donate section on the website. Revolution Church is pastored by Jay Baker and produced by Post-Christian Podcast. The song that you're hearing right now is an original composition by Andrew Bryant. We now have a YouTube and a Reddit And you can follow us on our Facebook, or you can check us out at www.revolutionchurch.com. See you there. Christian Podcast.